1: This is Dr. Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome you to the Warning Television Program. In the studio today, I have two of my team with me. I have my wife, Adalia Hansen. Adalia, welcome. Thank you
2: for having me.
1: I have Dr. E.J. Buckard. He's been with me since 1998, has traveled the nations. He used to be a former Northwest Airline pilot. Welcome, E.J. Thank you. I want to talk a little bit today about the church. We need a great awakening like America has never seen it before. We are losing the Republic of the United States of America, and most Christians, I don't think, have a clue. I don't know if they're waiting for the rapture to come back or a genie to pop out of a bottle, but they don't have a clue to what's really going on. They have bought the Kool-Aid. They're not in love enough with Jesus to have that discernment, to see how they have negated their responsibility to be true ambassadors of Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord told us to occupy, to make disciples, to rule the reign. Jesus is not going to save you. He is not coming back to save you or me until the battle of Armageddon. But he gave you that responsibility to represent him. He gave you that responsibility. He said when he ascended, go, Terry, until my power comes inside of you. In other words, I'll continue to do the miracles I did when I was walking the earth, and I'll continue to do them now through you. But instead, most of the church doesn't even care about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Half the church rejects the Holy Spirit outright as far as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And those that are supposedly with the same statement of faith are so messed up With the value system of this world, syncretism, that they've drank the Kool-Aid, they bought the lies of the professors in the universities, communist professors, of woke teachers in public schools, and they have the same value system. They're certainly not the majority baptized in the Holy Spirit. E.J., what's your opinion?
3: Well, you know, I'm thinking when I'm reading in Oswald Chambers' devotionals, he talks about you know, we have a lot to do we want to spread the word to get people to get saved. Well, he says, you know, God is the one that does the saving. What he told us to do is go and teach and make disciples of all nations. Most churches don't have a really full discipleship. They have preaching, but they don't have discipleship programming. And you were well aware when you were in Singapore of a really a discipling church. To disciple people. I think that's where our present church has failed in many ways. They preach the gospel, but the Lord says you need to make disciples. You can get people saved, but they're going to fall away like the seeds that fall on the rocks unless you disciple. The church must get back to discipling, and when they do that, I think then they'll see changes in the nation.
1: Yeah, we're supposed to make disciples of the inhabitants of the earth. And that means also We're supposed to be heavily involved in politics. Amen. That's part of the Great Commission, to rule, to reign, to occupy. If we're salt, if we put the right people in, the nation prospers and the people are blessed. If we have the wrong people in, the people that call themselves born again are persecuted. They literally hate the born again believers today in America. They're trying to take God right out of the equation, and that's why they push LGBT and everything else that are sins of abomination they could care less about your personal faith in fact if your personal faith is too strong in jesus christ you are dangerous you are an enemy and frankly they want to take you out adalia
2: well there's a statement that uh, was said a couple of years ago whereby they said that the times are changing and therefore christians should also flow with the change i think that it came from the pope if i'm not wrong but you know That's not a right statement because we know that Christianity shouldn't change. The Lord changeth not whatsoever that he had ordained from the beginning still remains still this day. And still the, the principles of how he actually rules and reigns in our lives as Christians does not change either. And also how we ought to live our lives. We can't say that since the world is changing, we need to accept what the world offers. We're supposed to live a different life from the world. And now, now the world has infiltrated the church whereby now we take the standards of the world and we bring it to the church. We teach the people, we teach our children. And now by the time we see our children's children, now they have actually embraced a certain culture that is not biblical, you know, and they're taught to accept things that are not acceptable in biblical standards like homosexuality. They're told, well, you're supposed to, you know, accept it. That's how people are created. I don't believe that because God is not a person that changes his mind. If he made you a boy, you ought to remain a boy forever, you know, until, you know, you die. If you're built to be a woman, you ought to be a woman. So it's not something that, oh, he decides I'm going to make you a man and a woman. And then by the time you're born or when you're you three years old or 10 years old, well, God changes his mind and says, eh, I think I did the wrong thing. I think you ought to be a woman instead of a man. So that culture of changing, the changes that are coming in the world that the church ought to flow with it, that statement is quite wrong and it should not be accepted at all.
1: I think that goes right back to what you're saying. That's pure humanism placing yourself above God. So in other words, I'm not happy with how God created me. So uh I'll recreate myself. I mean, that is pure humanism or hedonism where we live to please ourselves. Adalia?
2: Oh, exactly. And right now, it's not like a surprise what we were told in the Bible that these times would come, whereby people would be lovers of themselves. So now people live for themselves and not for God. It's about what Christ can give me, but not what I can give to Christ back. It's about just take, 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 but you don't give in return. So the life that most Christians live, like I'll just say all of us, you know, we have that selfish part inside of us that wants to just to come out. And that's why Paul taught us to die to self. It's a journey. It's a process whereby we die to self slowly. We just start to embrace the cross. That's why Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me.
1: I think that's excellent. I mean, I think you named it without me even saying anything, the problem in marriages is self. Until you have two married people, hopefully Christian, that are learning to die to self, they really can't have a good marriage because they're both very selfish. And that is going to cause a lot of fighting. Would you believe that, EJ?
3: Well, the scripture says when two become one, when you get married and have intercourse at that point in time, but you become one. Now, if you're one person... You like yourself, and so therefore you have to like the other person as much as you like yourself. Jesus says, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. So if you you become disobedient to your creation when you say, well, we're not one. Because if you're one, you would be unified. And unification in the church is what's really destructive. It's destructive in families and destructive in the church and destructive in nation because we are not unified in Christ.
1: I'll get right back to what I said originally is that unless we die to self, you can't have a good marriage. I don't care about sex. I mean, uh, people have sex all the time and they hate one another. They fight. (laughs) They kill one another. Uh, Sex doesn't make you unified. Uh, Sex is a lust outside of marriage. Outside of, and let's put it, outside of God. Because even in marriage, sex can be nothing but lust. So unless you die to self, you cannot have a good marriage. You got two people fighting each other. Amen.
2: Well, in the book of Matthew, the Bible talks about that the disciple is not above the teacher and the servant is not above the master. We know how the lifestyle as uh, born again Christians, how we ought to live, that Jesus is above us all. So when he walked on this earth, he experienced a lot of things. And the fact that, you know, he was able to experience the things that we are experiencing now, you know, hatred, you know, rejection and all those kind of things. So anything that is taught that is not in line with that is actually false because people are taught, you know, it's all about being, you know, built and being successful. And, you know, as a Christian, there's some things that cannot happen to you and everything else. So now that has messed up the church entirely in that when people people see those kind of things happening to them, they think, well, it ought not to happen. But Jesus said clearly that the servant is not above the master. So if the master was able to go through deep waters here on earth, we also are going to experience the same thing. And we have to embrace it because it's also a part of growth and refinement.
1: You know, we need another great awakening. I did earlier this year, three months, every single week, I taught on one of the movers and shakers and how they got to the point that they were able to shake communities and states and nations. Great anointing and the power of a testimony was one of my titles. You know, America and the church need another great awakening. You've heard me say constantly that words without a testimony are null and void. It's sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. You've heard me say that if you go to a church where your pastor just speaks words from the Bible but no testimony, why are you attending that pastor? You're supposed to have a testimony. The gospel is supposed to be alive. You're not supposed to just read stories. You know, I don't need to go to church so you read me a story, pastor. <laughs> I want to see the gospel alive in you, the hope of glory. You know, America and the church need another great awakening. The church is very sick. Most Christians are no longer capable to deal with sin and tyranny, sweeping America because they have been become part of the problem in America. They have diluted and compromised the word of God to include sins of abomination, such as accepting or even ordaining homosexuals and lesbians as priests or pastors. These type of lukewarm Christians come to church but live in cohabitation with fornicators and adulterers. They watch every type of filthy movie, TV program, pornography on the Internet or in magazines. These Christians are so far away from intimacy with God. They have no discernment and are under a spirit of deceivableness. So they gullibly obey the lies of the leader or political party that becomes a Hitler and the Nazis. They ignorantly, stupidly and cowardly watch as the laws are changed which are unconstitutional. They have no spirit of the line of Judah in them to criticize, disobey, or resist the tyranny taking place right in front of their eyes. They, like the Jews and Christians in Europe and Germany, who did not have the courage to be true ambassadors, to speak against evil in every form, including politics and unconstitutional laws, or to flee when they had time and warning to do so, instead became trapped, arrested, and many rounded up and taken to Concentration camps where millions
3: died. E.J.? You know, I, as you were talking about selfishness, uh, the word disobedience, you brought that up. And I'm looking, as I'm looking at the church and the human people that we work with, selfishness has become very common, me, myself, and I, and that becomes disobedience. If you look at the commandments, uh, one of the main ones there is honor they father and mother, which means you cannot be disobedient. And you can see so many things, like all the nudity and the pornography is coming out. This is all straight disobedience to God. When Adam and Eve sinned, they themselves put the leaf on, and then God closed them. So anytime we start to take off the clothes and show the body, we are in disobedience. The church has accepted that disobedience, and we're just selfish now. We're totally disobeying the Lord.
1: You know, the men and women who lived the first and second Great Awakening, they were totally in love with Christ. They were willing to deny themselves, family, friends, businesses and careers in pursuit and in service of God. They wanted to be filled with the third person of the Trinity called the baptism of the Holy Spirit so they could obey the Great Commission and make disciples in their nation, heal the sick, cast out demons and raise the dead. They wanted to truly be real ambassadors of Jesus Christ who were willing to tarry and as commanded by the Lord when he ascended to obtain the power and authority needed to accomplish the task of being an ambassador. Again, Mark 12:29 through 31, Jesus said his first of all the commandments. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20. Jesus came and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, the movers and shakers literally love God with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, all their strength. And consequently, they obeyed the great commission. All authority has been given in me, in heaven and in earth. Go and make disciples of make all disciples. nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Adalian.
2: I think that kind of teaching needs to be brought back to the church. Um, People who have been given the mandate to teach and equip the saints need to bring back the truth of the true, what true Christianity is, whereby we are supposed to put God first, love Him with all your heart and soul and mind, and then also love your neighbor as you love yourself. So now it has been placed that love yourself. Uh, love yourself and continue loving yourself is like the norm right now it's all about you you and it's not about others that's why you find um it's even hard for people to um be able to help others in terms of you have the poor in the community and people who are uh, disadvantaged and The people are so engrossed with themselves that they forget about the other person. They would rather just, you know, take care of themselves and their family, yet another person who, according to the Bible, is a neighbor that is suffering in turn, but nobody wants to help the person. Now, um, when these kind of teachings are brought back to the church, whereby we are taught how the disciples, how the disciples live their lives, you heard about when they would give they will give their properties, they will sell their land, and then they will distribute among the poor and help the people within the community. When the church starts to bring this kind of teachings into the church, whereby you see another person and you see Christ in them, and you give yourself to help. If it's food, shelter, clothing, anything that you could give to help another, now that is true love. And that's the pure religion that is acceptable uh, unto God, according to the scriptures. Now, um... Also, the teachings about death to self, whereby you deny yourself uh, of everything. You strip yourself off every self and just embrace the will of God. People have... We have, the Christians in general, we have forgotten whereby it is the will of the Father that precedes our will. And that's why Jesus told when he was at the garden, he, you know, he wanted, he, he said, if there's, a, if there's a possibility that you'll take this cup away from me, yet not my will, but your will. So that's the life we ought to live. Yes, we have desires. Yes, we have expectations. But at the same time, we need to tell Jesus, well, I have these desires, I have this expectation, but yet not my will, but let your will be done
1: amen not only did the movers and shakers believe in mark 12:29 through 31 where you're supposed to love the Lord with uh, all of your heart your mind your soul and your strength and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit but they believed in 2nd Peter 1 2 through 4 grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature." haven't escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. They believed you could be partakers of the divine nature, not an unsanctified soul that walks around in pure hedonism. They believed you could be chasing after God and be a partaker of the divine nature and do what Jesus did on earth. Adalia?
2: Well, it has been, you know, I like the statement where Jesus told the disciples that it has been given unto you. He was telling the disciples, it has been given unto you, but not of the people of the world. So being a believer and being connected to the Holy Spirit There's so many things that we have been given that we ought to search the Lord and seek Him and then we'll be able to find the wisdom of the things and the grace that the Lord has actually uh, given unto us in different things, right? So the grace of the Lord is not necessarily just the grace of being a child. There's different graces that we have been given. There are people given graces to be able to equip saints. There are people given graces to create wealth. Different graces that people have been given and it's all been given unto us. It is our like accuracy say it's like our right given us to us um being the children of god so uh once we embrace that and we know the truth i think literally that once the church you know the church starts to embrace the truth as is the good you know the good things that we accept some of the persecution, the tribulations that we ought to go through for us to be able to be pressed for the oil to come out and also to grow and and also to experience God experientially, to know Him experientially. In terms of, um, you know, when I say the Lord is merciful, I have to go through some situations in my life that I'll see the mercies of God. So when I speak about mercy, I'm speaking about it experientially, not just... Uh, you know, Bible knowledge from what I studied in school, but I speak about it experientially. So I think once we start teaching and embracing the truth about knowing God experientially, then I think some of half the problems we have in church will be probably sorted out experientially, you know?
1: Yeah. Luke 24, 47 through 53, and that repentance and remiss of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out of as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he departed from them and was carried into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple Praising and blessing God. So again, the movers and shakers did literally what he commanded. They went and tarried for this power that so much of the church today doesn't care about. Acts 2, 1 through 4, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a wind from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat on each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The difference, EJ, with most Christians today is, one, they don't love God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. They just don't. They can say it all they want. They don't. And they don't seek God with all of their heart. They don't tarry for the power of God. They don't even care, E.J. You and I know people that they are not filled with the Holy Spirit and frankly, they don't care. E.J.? Yep. E.
3: Yeah, the unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and as Pastor says, you need to tarry for that. But once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your whole life takes on a whole different meaning because then you can operate in the power which God gives you through the Holy Spirit. And the question I always ask people, I says in order for you to be good be a servant of the lord you have to ask this question what trinity do you serve do you serve the trinity of me myself and i or do you serve the trinity of the God Father and the holy spirit and you have you have a choice we all have choices but those are the only two choices you have there's no other choice
1: well i agree with you uh ej uh closing comments uh, adalia
2: the Bible speaks about Second uh, Timothy 4 verse 6. It says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. So as Christians, we are like a cup, right? And the whole as we wait on the Holy Spirit, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then once we are filled with the Holy Spirit, then we pour out unto others as well. And a cup has to be constantly filled. Even if you're filled with the Holy Spirit once, you have to keep going to be refilled over and over and over again because we're like poured out like a drink. We have to, when we pour out, we become empty. So we go back and we get filled again. Over over we are again. a cup that we need to be refilled over and, and, over, and, over, and again. over again. Yeah.
1: Now that's beautiful because nobody would just take a A glass of water, the same water, and uh, for 20 years and drink from it. I mean, you'll die. (laughs) And some people are not filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again and and again. again. And they are dying and they don't even know it. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Warning Radio Program. I've had my special guest today, Dr. E.J. Buckhart and Reverend Adalia Hansen. We've been speaking on again, The Need for Another Great Awakening. Go to my website, www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org. Click on Eagle Saving Nation, subscribe. Help us get another great awakening all through America. God bless you.